Welcome to Lifelines Radio, a production of the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation and JMJ Radio. I'm your host, Maria Gallagher, Legislative Director of the Federation. With me today is Michael Chicochopo, Executive Director of the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation. Welcome, Michael. Thank you, Maria. Hello, everybody. Michael, how long had you been looking forward to the overturn of Roe versus Wade? Oh, my goodness. Almost 50 years, Maria, actually. I would say since January 22 of 1973, when the Supreme Court first announced the Roe v. Wade decision and made abortion legal in all 50 states, uh, that's when I started looking forward to the overturn of Roe. Where were you when you heard the news of Roe's overturn? Actually, I was a 20-year-old sergeant in the United States Air Force stationed at Ramstein Air Base in West Germany. And like many others, when the announcement came out, I believed that somehow the court had just made a mistake and, and that they would realize that mistake and correct it pretty soon. But it then became pretty apparent to us that the high court was serious. And later that year, I went on a tour uh, of a Nazi concentration camp in Dachau, Germany. And I wasn't even thinking about abortion that day. I was in a concentration camp, and we toured the gas chambers there. We toured the furnaces and the crematorium. But what struck me the most was when we went into the labs where the Nazi doctors did the most horrific experiments on living human beings. I, I, I'm in that room right now as I'm telling you this. It was it was incredible what they did to these living people, and they and they would basically torture them until they died for medical experimentation purposes. And when I walked out of there, there was a huge sign, and it said, never again. And I thought, that's right. Human beings could never do to other human beings what these guys did to these people in this concentration camp. And then all of a sudden, it occurred to me that in the United States of America, doctors were tearing innocent preborn babies apart, limb by limb, alive, in their mother's womb. And, and I just got sick to my stomach. So just to clarify, that's when you heard the news about Roe being issued. But what about when Roe was overturned? Where were you and what did you say in your first interview after Rose's demise. Oh, my goodness. I need to listen better. Maria, I'm so <laughs> sorry, but yes, that was all then. Um, where was I when, when Roe was overturned? Good question. I was actually with the National Right to Life Convention in Atlanta, Georgia, of all places. Can you believe that the Supreme Court announced it while the entire National Right to Life was together? And, and right after the announcement was made, I was interviewed in the hallway by a reporter from Newsy.com. Uh, and when the reporter asked me, the first thing she said was, um, did you believe that Roe versus Wade would ever be overturned? And I said, yes, I believed that for 50 years because it's not in the Constitution. And she asked um, what this meant for Pennsylvania. And I said, it changed nothing in Pennsylvania because our law allows abortion for almost any reason in the first six months of pregnancy. And, and our governor, Governor Wolf, um, says that he will veto any protections that might be passed for preborn babies. And, and I told the reporter, I said, it appears that, that Governor Wolf was elected to serve all Pennsylvanians, but apparently he has a bias toward the ones who are actually born. 
The Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation filed an amicus brief in the Dobbs case, which overturned Roe. Why was that legal brief important? Well, actually, a number of organizations filed amicus briefs, uh, and each one provided specific reasons why they believed that Roe should be overturned. Uh, The brief filed by the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation emphasized that when a woman is pregnant, the science says that the physician has two patients to care for, the baby and the mother. The baby is not part of the mother's body. It has its own DNA, its own chromosomes, and the baby must be cared for and protected, not killed by abortion. And you can actually read those briefs online, and I would recommend that people go to those briefs and read them because they were instrumental in overturning Roe, so it's very important. Now, Michael, I once heard you in a Federation video compare the fall of Roe to the fall of the Berlin Wall. Is that what it was like? Really, Maria, I served in the Air Force for most of the Cold War, and my first four years from 1971 to 74 were in West Germany. And it was called West Germany because of the Iron Curtain, which divided Germany. You had free West Germany in the West, and you had East Germany subject to the Soviet Union in the East. And for nearly 30 years, 100,000 people tried to escape from the east to the west, and many were killed trying to escape. So when citizens on both sides of the Berlin Wall started tearing it down in November of 1989, and people started freely crossing from the east to the west and the west to the east, no one was shooting at them anymore. No one was trying to kill them. I mean, talk about a paradigm shift from what we had been experiencing for all those years. And, and the comparison to the fall of Roe is that for nearly 50 years, every child conceived in the United States of America lived in a nation that was told that doctors had a constitutional right to kill them through all nine months of pregnancy. And 63 million never made it to the other side of the birth canal alive. When Roe fell, that so-called right to abortion evaporated, giving states the right to put on more protections. And it was just like the Berlin Wall had evaporated. What led to the overturn of Roe? Well, in my view, I think there were many things that led to the overturn of Roe. Uh, the number one thing is Roe v. Wade itself. I mean, I mean, the decision had no sound justification to declare a right to abortion in the Constitution. So we knew that any time we had a Supreme Court with constitutionalist justices, it would be easy for them to find the grounds to overturn it. Number two, I think it was many uh, of us who believed that the court had gotten it wrong. Pro-life citizens across our state and across our nation, you know, we began right away advocating for life, advocating for the truth, helping to expose the truth, uh, marching every year in Washington, uh, regardless of the weather, exposing the truth about it, and electing pro-life lawmakers and pushing for more and more laws to protect unborn children and to challenge Roe in the courts. 
And, and I would say the third thing I would like to mention is the most immediate person who deserves credit for the overturn of Roe is President Trump. I mean, President Trump picked three stellar, outstanding constitutionalist lawyers um, for the court. In the past, presidents have tried to, to appoint justices to the court um, who would do that, and it didn't always work out. But in, in the case of President Trump, he had three home runs on that one. How do you respond to those who say that the overturn of Roe will hurt women? I say that Roe, the overturn of Roe is going to empower women. It is empowering women right now. So many women have been coerced and forced to have abortions when they were told it was their right to do that, to abort their babies. But it is clearly not a right. So this will give many women ways to find the opportunity to take care of their babies, to keep their babies, and to fulfill their dreams in life. And without this so-called right to abortion, aborting their babies, many men are going to be taking responsibility to help provide for and care for these, their babies and their mothers. And the pro-life movement is going to be there to help them, too. We're going to have pregnancy resource centers everywhere to provide whatever needs the women and the men have to take care of their unborn children so that they can make the decision for life. And we should point out at this point that Pennsylvania has really been a leader in terms of pregnancy resource centers. We have a program in Pennsylvania, our Pennsylvania Pregnancy and Parenting Support Program, which provides real assistance to women facing challenging circumstances. That program is administered by Real Alternatives, Inc., and it has become a model for the rest of the nation. And it funds not only pregnancy centers, but also maternity homes and adoption agencies throughout the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. So if any woman needs help, she should go to realalternatives.org and she can get the help she needs. Absolutely. Michael, with the overturn of Roe, is this the end of the beginning? Yes, I, I believe that the culture of death in the United States began with the Roe decision. And the culture of death has grown in so many ways over these nearly 50 years. But the Dobbs decision actually ended the right to abortion in the USA. However, the culture of death continues. So in the post-Roe era, we must work even harder to achieve the day when abortion, infanticide, and euthanasia become unthinkable. You're listening to Lifelines Radio, recorded by JMJ Radio. I'm your host, Maria Gallagher. Today we're talking with Michael Chico-Chopo, Executive Director of the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation. Michael, why is it so important to have a governor with a pro-life stand? Well, the overturn of Roe actually returns to the states the authority to enact state laws to protect unborn children. And we have um, pro-life state senate here in Pennsylvania, and we have a pro-life state house. But... We don't have a pro-life governor. Governor Wolf has already and, and will continue to veto any pro-life laws, any protections that we try to pass um, to protect innocent human life. So we must have a pro-life governor to use the authority that Dobbs gives us. 
Yes, unfortunately, the governor has put a stop to our Down Syndrome Protection Act, which would have um, banned abortion for the sole reason of a Down Syndrome prenatal diagnosis. He also put a stop to our ban on brutal dismemberment abortions, where babies are torn limb by limb from their mother's wombs. Um, and he has said that he will veto any and all pro-life legislation. So it has been a real trial in Pennsylvania. Now, Michael, where do the candidates for governor stand on the life issues? Well, the Democratic candidate for governor, Josh Shapiro, uh, is actually worse than Governor Wolf. I mean, everything you just said about Governor Wolf, just double it, and that's what you would get with Josh Shapiro. I mean, he has already vowed uh, to keep abortion legal uh, in Pennsylvania no matter what. And and, and I believe him. I believe that he, he would do that if he were elected governor. The Republican candidate for governor is Senator Doug Mastriano. Uh, Senator Doug Mastriano is a proven pro-life leader in the Pennsylvania Senate, and he vows to sign legislation that would protect innocent life if he were elected governor. In fact, we have worked with Senator Mastriano over the years, uh, and, can, and I can personally attest to, and, and I will personally guarantee you, that um, he would be uh, a very, very pro-life governor if elected. And the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation will soon be producing educational comparison pieces, which will compare the candidates for governor on the life issues. And those will be available on our website and for distribution at churches, at fairs and festivals throughout the Commonwealth. Michael, a lawsuit has been filed in state court by the abortion industry to declare a right to taxpayer funding of abortion. How is the pro-life movement responding? Well, this case was actually made by a number of pro-abortion businesses, abortion businesses, providers of abortion across the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. And it was made against a number of state agencies and officials. Uh, The case, for your listeners' uh, information, is called Allegheny Reproductive Health Care et al., because there are so many, uh, versus the Department of Human Services at all, because there are so many. And the case before the Supreme Court asked the court, the Pennsylvania Supreme Court, to overrule a Pennsylvania Supreme Court decision from the 1980s that declared that the Pennsylvania Constitution does not prevent the state from using taxpayer, uh, from preventing taxpayer dollars from paying for abortions. Uh, this has been in effect uh, for, for over three decades now. So they are being asked, the court is being asked, not only now to, to say that the, somehow the Pennsylvania Constitution says you can't ban taxpayer funding of abortion, but also they would like the Supreme Court to declare a right to abortion in the Pennsylvania Constitution. It is not there, I can tell you. I've read the Pennsylvania Constitution. Nowhere in there is there a right to abortion or a taxpayer funding of abortion. But nothing has changed in the last 30 years um, regarding uh, the law here. But what has changed is the Supreme Court. And the the composition of the Pennsylvania Supreme Court has so many pro-abortion justices on it that we believe that they are going to make up a new right for taxpayer funding and for abortion itself and say that it is in the Constitution. And if that happens, 
all of the protections for preborn babies and their moms that have been enacted in Pennsylvania will go away, and taxpayers will pay the abortion businesses to do abortions. Why is a constitutional amendment so critical? Hmm. Well, if the Pennsylvania High Court, as we expect, says that abortion is legal, hard pause, I'm sorry, I got something in my throat. While we're waiting for you to take a sip of water, you're listening to Lifelines Radio, recorded by JMJ Radio. I'm your host, Maria Gallagher. Today we're talking with Michael Chicachopo, Executive Director of the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation. And we're speaking about a constitutional amendment that is so critical in Pennsylvania. Well, the reason it's so critical is because if the high court does what I just told you we expect them to do and declares a right to abortion through all nine months of pregnancy, then the um, the General Assembly and the governor will not be able to enact protective laws, even if we have a pro-life governor. Um, the only way that we can cancel out the Pennsylvania Supreme Court's um, so-called right to abortion would be to amend the Constitution stating the obvious, that there is no right to abortion or taxpayer funding in the Pennsylvania Constitution. Then protective laws can be enacted by the legislature and the governor. But it is purposefully not easy to amend the state constitution. Um, uh, the constitutional amendment has to pass the Pennsylvania Senate and the Pennsylvania House in two consecutive sessions, and then uh, the 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 um, then the entire process would go to the voters after two consecutive sessions. Since we've already passed it in one session, we still have to pass it in the 2023-2024 session uh, before it can go on the ballot. Uh, but once it does pass and the voters make an amendment to the Constitution, it will negate the right to abortion. And this whole situation with the constitutional amendment, I mean, the amendment itself is a complicated concept. The whole process is complicated. If people want more information about this, they can easily go to our website at paprolife.org, and we have a whole page of our website devoted to this constitutional amendment, to what the constitutional amendment actually does, what it doesn't do, and the whole process involved in getting it enacted. So I encourage you, the listeners, to go to our website at paprolife.org and get that critical information. Michael, as you reflect on your more than two decades with the Federation, is the overturn of Roe one of the highlights? Oh, yes, it certainly is. When, when I became the executive director in 2002, I was told that our objective was to prepare Pennsylvania for the overturn of Roe v. Wade. I'm sorry it took so long, uh, this last 20 years, to reach that milestone. And yes, I would say it is the biggest moment of my tenure here. But now, in the post-Roe Pennsylvania, we continue toward the ultimate goal, as I mentioned before, of making abortion, infanticide, and euthanasia unthinkable in the Keystone State. And you've had a number of highlights during your time at the Federation. I think that you went to the White House for a bill signing. Can you tell us about that? 
Well, we did have that opportunity back when George W. Bush was the president, and I, I was there for actually two bill signings with the president, which were were pretty heady kind of things. But I'm telling you what, they were they were just stepping stones to getting to the overturn of Roe. So um, if none of those things had ever happened, and the only thing that ever happened was the overturn of Roe, uh, that would still be my top thing. Michael, tell us about the Celebrate Life Banquet and why people should attend. Well, when we invited Dr. Ben Carson to be our keynote speaker at the October 21st, 2022 Celebrate Life Banquet, we did not know that 2022 would be the year that Roe would be overturned. But it is. And we expect that pro-lifers from across Pennsylvania will come out to hear Dr. Carson and to celebrate life and the demise of Roe. And, and your listeners are all invited to come out October 21st and register now. It'll be at the Hershey Lodge. We've gone to a much larger venue this year than we've ever done before to accommodate as many people as can possibly come. Uh, so now I would just say, as you're listening, Go to our website, paprolife.org, and and register or sponsor now. We've got about five minutes left in this podcast, and and I'm going to take you on a trip down memory lane. We have had so many incredible speakers at the Celebrate Life Banquet over the years, and and we do hope that this banquet with Dr. Ben Carson is the biggest. But um, we've had Rick Santorum. We had Ann McElhenney, who was behind the Gosnell movie and the Gosnell book and the Serial Killer podcast that is now near the top of the charts. We had Alveda King. We had Brian Baumberger. Uh, we had Bishop Ronald Gaynor. Uh, we've had so many different speakers. Does any banquet stand out for you, Michael? Well, I mean, just recently we've had Rachel Campos Duffy uh, come and speak to us. We've had Diamond and Silk speak to us. Um, I, I think... Each one of them stands out in their own particular way. Uh, during the pandemic, we had our banquet anyway, and we set up tents in a parking lot to hold our banquet outdoors so that people could safely come together uh, to celebrate life uh, when nobody else was having events like that. And we provided so many precautions, and I am happy to tell you that we had absolutely no reports of anybody walking away from our banquet and getting COVID. And yet, everybody that came to that banquet, there was something very sweet about being outside um, for that that banquet. That, that one really stands out for that reason to me. Yeah, it was a lovely event, and, and all of the banquets are quite lovely, and uh, they definitely are a destination spot if you're a pro-lifer. So I want to encourage all of our listeners, if you get a chance, please sign up for our banquet. You can do so conveniently on our website at paprolife.org, or you can call us at 717-541-0034. That's 717-541-0034, and you can register by phone. Let me just mention, Maria, that this year the banquet we're doing, we've never done it on a Friday night before. We've always avoided weekends because uh, we thought that we would be conflicting with other things. But this year we're doing it on a Friday night. So, And the fact that we're doing it in Hershey, 
we expect that we've already gotten feedback from people who are going to come from some distance across the state to be here who've never done one before. And then they're going to spend the night in Hershey and then spend the weekend in Hershey and and do some things while they're there. So uh, this will be a really good one to come down and do some other things in the area besides the banquet, too. We've got about three minutes left. Michael, how can people support the life-saving work of the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation? Oh, there are so many different ways. Uh, The first thing I do want to say, though, is that we would not be here if it was not for the free will donations of of good pro-lifers across the state of Pennsylvania. Uh, And and we do not take any donation for granted. A $1 donation, a $50 donation, whatever it is that somebody can send in, we are so grateful for because we know that every donation uh, is, is sacrificial to some extent to each donor. And we gather as a staff every day in our office, uh, and we break open scripture, and we we actually pray for our donors and benefactors that they would prosper and that they would have good health and would continue on. So, and know that we are praying for you. One of the ways people can come on is like you just said before. They can go to paprolife.org and they can donate online. Another way they can do it is they can call our office. If you don't want to do something online, 5-4-7-1-7-5-4-1-0-0-3-4, as Maria said, and you can call us and make a donation over the phone with a credit card. Or you can write to us, and our address is on our website, or you can call us to get the address to send it in by check if that's the way you prefer to do it. Um, many, many people have chosen to give monthly or quarterly uh, with a credit card or with a debit from their their checking account, and it's done automatically, whatever you say, every month or every quarter. And that and those donations uh, keep us keep us going during some of the lean times as they come up. So, um, our website paprolife.org, our phone number seven one seven five four one zero zero three four. And thank you so much for doing that. You've been listening to Lifelines Radio. I'm Maria Gallagher, Legislative Director of the Pennsylvania Pro Life Federation. We've been talking with Michael Chicochopo, Executive Director of the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation. Lifelines Radio is made possible through the generous support of the members of the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation all across the Commonwealth. The Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation is the largest single-issue pro-life organization in the Keystone State, with more than 40 local, grassroots, county-based chapters. We shine a spotlight on the most vulnerable individuals, from the very dawn of life to the twilight of life. To learn more about the inspiring work of the Federation, please visit our website at paprolife.org. You can also find us on all major social media. And remember, there is always a reason to choose life.